There is something in a name. Dale Carnegie says that the sweetest sound to each person is their name. Because in that name is who we are. It's our identity. Uh, for me, growing up uh, here in the Kennesaw Ackworth area, uh, man, I got to play football for the Due West Hoyas, and I loved getting these jerseys, not just because I love to play, but because my name was on the back. Man, and that meant something to me that I was a Ragsdale and I got to represent the Ragsdales when I played, or if I have any um, Oregon Park all-star players in the room or watching with me, uh, man, having my name on the back of this jersey, it meant something because I was blessed, uh, fortunate enough, man, to have a family where, where being a Ragsdale really meant something to me. And I think about these conversations that were very direct, sitting down with my dad or my grandfather, uh, who we called Pop, and I, was, and I would learn Hey, like you are a Ragsdale, which means that, hey, we handle money a certain way. We uh, date and marry a certain way. And the way that we work at school or when you eventually get a job, like this is how we do things. And so very early on, I began to see this direct tie. And this is kind of the proposition that I wanna slide across the table to you this morning, is that there is a, a relationship between your identity and activity. And I would say it this way, is that your identity will determine your activity. And here's why we're gonna go there this morning, because we've been in 1 John and we're gonna be in chapter two today. But, but John is writing to first century Christians who are having an identity crisis that there is a bunch of different um, ways of thinking, different world philosophies that are beginning to make their way into the Christian circle and believers are beginning to have a question. Who are we? And what do we do? Is this, is this the life that Jesus gave us? Is this really who we are? And is this really what we do? Or is it what these other people are saying, and here's why I think that you should listen for the next 20-ish minutes. Not because I have anything special, but God's word in particular is that John is writing to these people because he knows first century Christians are on the verge of doing something that could be detrimental to their life and to their joy. And it's that it would, they would forsake their family name. That not only were they Ragsdales or Kennerleys or Smiths or Joneses, but they were followers of Jesus. And that meant something. And they were on the verge of forsaking that name, but not only that, but living a life short of God's best. And so I wanna speak to believers, I wanna speak to non-believers this morning and straight from 1 John to help us not to forsake our family name and to make sure, guys, oh my, that we live a life that is full of God's best. So if you've got your Bibles, iPhone apps, we're gonna be in 1 John chapter two, starting in verse 12, and we'll go um, up to verse 17. And as we journey through this text together this morning, here's what I hope you'll see, is that John makes it really clear, this is your identity. So I hope you catch the identity and then he's gonna give us two activities in particular that he wants for us to engage in, that he was praying that the first century church would engage in. 
So identity, activity, and then I just wanna ask us two simple questions. Two questions that I hope will make you think today. So uh, before we get there, I would love if you would pray with me this morning. Father, you are the king. And we are grateful that you are also kind. And you are in control when we are not. And when our world feels like it is spinning out of control, we know that it is in your hands. Would you comfort us this morning? Would you speak to us, Holy Spirit? And where you sit, would you pray and ask that God would speak to you this morning? And if you would, would you pray for me that I would be helpful to you and to your life? Holy Spirit, have your way. Illuminate your word to us this morning. In Christ's name, amen. Let's look together at God's word. First John, starting in chapter two, verse 12. Hey, North Star, this is God's word for you this morning. And it says this, I am writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his namesake. I'm writing to you fathers or mothers because you know him who is from the beginning. I'm writing to you young men or women because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you children because you know the father. I write to you fathers and mothers because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you young men because you are strong and the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the evil one. So we see here in 1 John from the onset that he kind of begins to speak to, we see children, we see fathers and mothers, and we see um, young men and young women. So, so John is not in this instant talking about age and gender markers, but instead he's talking about maturity markers. Maturity markers of what, Cole? Maturity markers of your spiritual growth, of your spiritual process. Of, man, there are some of you, you are children. You're new in the faith. You're, you just got off the starting blocks. You just heard the firing gun and you're just your first few steps are on the way. Or you're a young man or a young woman. You've been doing this for a while. You don't really see the starting line anymore, but you definitely don't see the finish line or at least you're hoping so. And then you've got your fathers and your mothers. Those who probably have a little, we'll call it spiritual gray hair. Um, that the finish line seems closer than the starting blocks. And so why does John do this in the, in the middle of his book? Why does he say, children, fathers and mothers, young men, young women? He wants to remind them, and this is point number one, of their victory in Christ. He wants to remind them of the victory that they have in their relationship with Jesus. I mean, do you see these phrases? Your sins are forgiven you know him who is from the beginning. You have overcome the evil one. You know the father. He's like, yo, your identity is here. You know Christ, your sins are forgiven. You know God, the one who has no beginning and has no end, the source and sustainer of everyone and everything who's infinite, eternal, and unchangeable in his power and perfection, his goodness and glory, his wisdom, justice, and truth. This God, you know him. This is who you are. This is the name on your jersey. He's reminding them. And can I, can I just say, oh, sorry, sorry, tech, my bad. The greatest gift my parents gave me was not a car when I was 16. I had to buy that sucker on my own. It wasn't a new baseball bat. Uh, it wasn't a new iPhone. 
the greatest gift my parents gave me was belief that they saw things in me and they called them out. They didn't say, Cole, go be smart. Said, Cole, you are intelligent. Cole, don't go be strong. No, 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 no. They said, Cole, you are strong. John here is not just saying, behave, behave, behave. He's saying, behold, 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 this is who you are in Christ. P.S. This is the fundamental difference between all other world religions and Christianity. Every religion, I'm, I go look them up, I'm not messing will say, behave, 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 act this way, look this way, talk this way, you'll get right with God. Christianity is the only religion in which it says, behold, 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 look at what Christ has done and you can be right with God. It is our identity, it's the name on the back of our jersey. This is not a behave religion, it is a behold religion. We look at Jesus and we are amazed. And John is reminding them, this is who you are. And so you may be wondering, but Cole, how, how do we get there? And I wanna take a little bit of time, not too much, for us to talk about the sequence by which we experience this victory in Christ. The sequence by which we experience salvation, not just getting from earth into heaven, but all of the gifts that we experience through God. It happens through this sequence. I want you to catch this. It is always by grace, through faith in Christ. This is Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, that we experience salvation, we experience our identity. The name on the back of the jersey becomes Christ follower by grace, through faith in Christ. So well, let's talk about this for a second. So God in his love and in his mercy, what is his grace? His grace is the unmerited, undeservable favor of God that he is giving to us. I cannot deserve it, I cannot earn it, yet he gives it. Uh, this may be a great little children's trick, but it works for me, is grace, G-R-A-C-E. Grace is God's riches at Christ's expense that the riches of heaven are ours because of what Christ purchased for us. You can be right with God. You can know him now, not just in heaven. And it's a free gift that he is giving to us. It is by grace. But then friends, how do we actually receive the gift? And it's just like a child on their birthday or on Christmas morning with hands that are open and they receive it through faith. I want you to think this morning about faith being like a ladder. Whenever you uh, put a ladder up, we had people come paint our house uh, a couple months ago and they had these huge ladders that they would put up against the house. And then they, they would have to trust that whatever they put that ladder up against, that it would hold their full weight as they climbed that ladder with the paint and the brushes. And your faith in the same way is you leaning the full weight of your life, the full weight of eternity on the free gift of God for you to experience relationship with him. And so it's through faith that we receive this gift of grace. But then friends, what is the substance? What is the content? What is the material that we actually put our faith in? <laughs> it's in Christ. It's his life, death, and resurrection that any historian worth his salt will not deny the fact that there was a man named Jesus of Nazareth who lived 2000 years ago. And I believe that he lived a life that I certainly couldn't live, that he died a death 
that I certainly deserved and that he rose again victorious, conquering over sin and death, both now and forever, that I could know God in 2020 and know God forever. And we believe that he is coming back, that there is a great hope so that we can stand in strength for today and hope for tomorrow. How? By grace, through faith in Christ. Victory, identity is available to us to embrace. And so if you would, um, in the posture of receiving, would you, where you sit today or in your living room, would you, would you just open up your hands? And maybe if you need to for a moment, uh, if you would like to close your eyes, you're welcome to. I just want to read the words that John wrote, um, wrote to these first century Christians to remind them of this is who you are. And I believe that this morning, the Holy Spirit wants to remind you right where you sit of your identity. Friends, this is who you are. Your sins are forgiven. Past, present, and future. Your sins are forgiven. You know him who is from the beginning. You have overcome the evil one. You know the Father. You know him who is from the beginning. Friends, this is for you this morning. You are strong. The word of God abides in you. You have overcome the evil one. You can put your hands down. This is who we are. Followers of Jesus, rescued and redeemed by grace through faith in Christ. So there's your identity. What about activity? Let's look back at John's words. We're gonna be in verse 15 and it says this. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the father, but is from the world. So John, like I said, there's a a stark contrast going on here. Here is your identity in Christ. And then he says, don't love the world. And here is what he's getting at. And here's what I want you to get. He's saying, this is point two, don't settle for the world. Don't settle for it. That C.S. Lewis said it this way, that you have been offered a semester at sea, a cruise that's better than any Royal Caribbean with the best food that's available and you're choosing to play in the mud puddles on the side of the road. So he's saying, and he's saying, don't settle because the fact that John wrote this, that the Holy Spirit provided the inspired word from this tells me this, that running through each of our hearts is something in us that longs to love the world. And so I imagine I may have some friends watching with me today who have been invited, who maybe you don't believe in the Bible, you're still figuring out this whole Christianity thing and you're like, aha, there's a contradiction in the Bible. John 3, 16, Mr. Preacher Boy, for God so loved the world. But, but you just read to me that don't love the world. Aha, it's not true. Well, friends, John 
uses the word world 101 times through his different letters that he wrote in the New Testament. It's the Greek word cosmos. It's where we get cosmic or cosmos. And, and, and he uses it three different ways throughout his, throughout his letters. And I wanna explain them real quick. The first would be his like overall creation, like God's world that he has created. The, the, the beautiful smoky mountains or the beautiful um, lakes of Alatoona, th- those are man-made, so scratch that out. Um, you know, just these beautiful things that God, this is his created world, the cosmos. But then there's also the humanity in which he's created. So this would be you and I, this would be John 3.16, because hear me, God loves you. And then the last and not least, the world is a broken system that is directly opposed to the ways and the things of God. And that's what we're talking about this morning is there is a philosophy, there's a way of life, there's a competing identity that would say, hey, this is how you should live. And John is saying, don't you dare settle for it. So you'd be asking, Cole, what in the world would this, this world look like? What does it mean? Well, I'm so glad you asked because John tells us. He gives us the three things. He says, it's the desires of the flesh. It's the desire of the eyes and it's the pride of life. Or if I was to put those in English quick terms, it would be this, it's internal desires. It's an internal desire that says this, if it feels good, do it. If it feels good, do it. Just one more drink. I kind of like the way that it feels. It feels good. I should do it. You know, I, I, I would like to go have another donut. Like it'll make me feel better. I'm, I'm gonna do it. You know, this person has really been ticking me off. I'm gonna go at them. I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm going to scream at them. It's gonna feel good. I'm gonna feel better. I'm gonna do it. You know, I, I probably, I'm gonna gossip behind my friend's back so I can get in with this new crew, crew of people. It's gonna feel good. I'm gonna do it. And it's these desires that rise up within us. And it may even be things that we have a natural inclination towards. You know, we were just kind of just born that way. I was kind of born kind of angry. I was born kind of, you know, kind of quick this way. But here's the beauty of Christianity is that we're, we're invited to be born again into a new life, into the way of God, not into the way of the world. Then the second thing, the desire of the eyes or what I would call external temptations, where it says, if it looks good, go after it. Or if it looks good, take it. If it looks good, take it. And this would be, man, an extra click on your computer after your wife goes to bed. Or another Amazon purchase that truthfully you really can't afford. It's the coronavirus uh, shopping that we did when we thought it would maybe make us feel better for a little grasp on control. It looks good, take it. It looks good, take it. And then the last, the pride of life or what I would call an all about me mentality. That everything, my life, my job, my relationships, all of them are arrows pointing back to me, pointing back to my life that all of a sudden my kid's t-ball game really isn't about him and his t-ball game, but it's about me fulfilling an old dream that I never finished. That all of a sudden my job is not about me doing great work and helping this company, but it's about my salary and a 401k and it's gotta be perfect or I'm out. And all about me mentality and God is saying through 1 John chapter two, friends, don't settle for it. Don't settle for the lie that it, man, if it feels good, do it. If it looks good, take it. If it makes me look good, go after it. 
Don't settle for it. It's not gonna last. And isn't it interesting? I don't know if anyone caught this. This blew, this blew me up this week. Luke 4, Matthew 4, the temptations of Jesus. These were the exact same lies that the enemy used to try to cause Jesus to stumble. Hey, Jesus, you haven't eaten in 40 days. Make this stone into bread. It'll feel good. Do it. Do it. Hey, Jesus, if you'll bow down and worship me, I'll give you all the nations. Looks good, Jesus. Take it. Take it. Jesus, throw yourself off of this cliff and have the angels come and protect you because you're the son of God. Everyone will see it. It'll look good, Jesus. Go after it. If our savior was tempted with these lies, so will we. And so I'm encouraging out of God's word, friends, don't settle for the world. And John provides another great reason in the next verse, and this is where we'll close today. Verse 17, and the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. What he's saying is these temptations, the world, the things that you wanna give your life to, it's going to leave. It won't last. The Amazon package, the click on the internet, the extra donut, the, the, the yelling at your wife, it's not gonna last, it's not gonna satisfy. But he's saying, what will? The love of the Father, the ways of God, your identity in Christ, which by the way is by grace through faith in Christ in case you missed it. And John seems to paint this crystal clear picture throughout this entire book that, man, there is the way of God that will last forever. And then there is the way of the world that will fade away. And in traditional Christian thinking, it's always been that those who know Christ, man, when they die or when Christ returns, they will spend eternity in heaven. But those who don't know Christ, who are living in the way of the world, the love of the Father is not in them is what that scripture says. And it says that they will spend an eternity in hell, a life separated from God that there is two trajectories of our lives. There is no third option. It is life with God or it is life with the world. And you get to choose. Uh, growing up in church right around this area, uh, growing up, I was always asked this question. You know, Nicole, do you wanna go to heaven? <laughs> well, it's kind of like, no crap, yeah. <laughs> like if I was to poll everyone in this room right now, hey, do you wanna go to heaven or do you wanna go to hell? Heaven, streets of gold, my whole family's there, perfect. Deal, dude with the pitchfork pain, I'm out. Like, you know what I'm saying? And I think I've learned reading this book and, and wrestling with this text is, man, we're asking the wrong question. The question isn't, do you wanna go to heaven or do you wanna go to hell? The question is, do you want God? Because heaven without God would be hell. And heaven is not a place reserved for people who are afraid of hell. Heaven is a place reserved for people who have fallen in love with God. And so my two questions for you this morning is this. Who 
are you? What is the name on the back of your jersey? And I'm not talking about your last name. You know that it's great. looks great on a jersey. Are you a believer who has come to know Jesus by grace through faith in Christ? Are you not? Who are you? And then to help you answer that question, the second one would be this. What do you want? Do you want God, life with him? Or do you not? Because here's the deal, is that if we don't want him here and now, then why in the world will we want him there and then? And here is a horrifying thing that I've had to wrestle with, is that God is going to give me what I want. If I want life with him, he's gonna give it to me. And if I don't want life with him, He's gonna give it to me. And so I wanna be a man. I want us to be a church of people who embrace our identity in Christ, who say, man, I have been saved and rescued by grace through faith in Christ, that I have come alive. My sins are forgiven. Sin has no more power over me. I have a great hope for tomorrow, no matter what happens in November, that that God will one day return, that I can spend eternity with him. This is who I am. I don't have to settle for the world. I don't have to settle for the fights. I don't have to settle for the sin. I don't have to settle for the crap because I know him. And I will walk to eternity with him because eternity doesn't start when we die. Eternity started when you were born. Can I pray for you this morning? Oh God, you love us so deeply. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for Jesus's life. And thank you, God, that even in the middle of my mess that you stepped in. And so I pray for my friends in this room right now. And God, if they don't know you, I pray that your Holy Spirit would do the work where their heart would be thumping, the chills would be going down the spine and they would know it's their time because eternity is waiting and you wanna live it with them. So Father, as we sing these songs, may the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing to you. And we pray these things as a church together in the name of Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit, amen. You may be seated there. Some of you remember a sitcom called Martin. And Martin had a character on there called Shanene. Y'all remember Shanene? One thing Shanene would say was, you don't know me. You don't know me. (laughs) You know what John's saying in 1 John today? I know you. I know you. You're his. You know what Cole's saying today? You're his. We wanna continue the conversation. So if I'm his, before I'm a black man, before I'm a dad, before I do what I do for a living, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christ follower, which means because of my identity, there's some things I will do and some things I won't do. Some things I will say 
And there's some things I won't say. We not only wanna teach you the word, we wanna help you apply the word. So here's a couple questions we have for you today that are gonna be on the screen. You might wanna take a picture of these or write them down, but when you get in the car and drive home, talk about them in your living room, at home right now, kitchen, wherever, at the beach, I'm mad at you, but talk about it at the beach today. Question number one, if identity determines activity, which aspect of your identity in Christ do you need to embrace this week? And Cole read through some of those, what John said, who you're forgiven, you're strong, you know him. Which one of those? Talk about it. What difference should it make? Here's the second question. What does it look like to live for eternity this week? If this world is only temporary, right? We're just renting space. We don't know. We're just renting. We're just here for a minute. <laughs> if I'm living for eternity, what should that change about what I say, how I give, how I spend my time, what I invest in? Real simple. I want you to continue that conversation. Super pumped. You guys joined us today. Some of you maybe are just getting back from fall break. Welcome back. Some of you guys are headed out this week for fall break. If you're going to the beach, keep in mind, this beautiful tan didn't happen overnight. It's been a lifetime process, right? You're not gonna get it in one week. Seriously, hey, you guys have a great week. We look forward to seeing you next week. Thanks for being here.